Hey everybody, this is David Perkins. You're listening to the Desperation Podcast. Join us this summer for the Desperation Conference at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, July 9th through 11th. For more information and resources, go to desperationonline.com. So we've been talking about this idea of, of heartbeat of heaven, and it's funny because I think even I kind of overheard like a couple of you say, well, gosh, like, you know, the message last week, it was pretty much the same thing that Pastor Brandon preached the week before. Well, guess what? It'll be the same thing this week and the week after that. And we're, and we're just gonna, we're going to keep talking because because of that same person, I would say, how many people have you brought to the Lord since you heard the message? Oh, I'm just I mean, I'm just saying like, or how many people have you prayed for at your school since you heard the message two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Or how many people have you invited to DSM since you heard this clarion call that God is, is calling us to reach our city and you to reach your generation? See, I firmly believe that even once the Lord speaks a word to us, he does not speak anything else until we see fit to obey the last thing that he told us. And for some of us, we say, gosh, I, want, I just want God to say even more things. Well, I'm just asking, what was the last thing that God said to you and how obedient were you to that request? So week one, we talked about this heartbeat of heaven, you guys. God's, God's heart literally beating for souls. That God cares about the people who are in your sphere of influence. God cares about every single person at your school, whether you like them or not. Whether they're ugly, fat, whether they stink, whether they're cool, whether they're mean to you, whether they're nice to you. He actually cares, right? And so, so we said his heart is literally like, like beating for souls, and, and we talked about the idea that if we look at the life of Jesus at an early age, he was about his, his father's business. And, and he said, I've got to be doing the things that my father has called me to do. And so week two, last week, we, we talked about Jesus and the woman at the well. And the idea that you need to go to your Samaria. Who are the Samaritans in your life that you would have to kind of cross a barrier to get to? People that you normally wouldn't hang out with, but because you love Jesus so much, it really doesn't matter the things that separate you from that other person. And tonight, we're just going to kind of be going deeper. I mean, I had one simple point for the last two weeks. Win souls for Jesus. It's the same thing tonight. Win souls for Jesus. Proverbs 1130 still rings true today. He who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. So we're in week three, heartbeat of heaven, heartbeat of heaven. And I just want to ask you guys something. How many of you have ever failed at doing something, at, at anything at all? Just raise your hand really, really high. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's like 100%. Okay, failed at something. And, and again, that something could have been spiritually or, or academically or, or socially, whether it was in your relationship with God or your relationship with someone else. But I'm here to tell you, if that's you, this message is for you tonight. See, God has something to say specifically to you. See, even failure caused specifically by sin. You know, the Greek word for sin literally means it's an archery term. It comes from this idea of whenever they shoot a bow and arrow and you're aiming for one spot and you simply miss the mark. And so it, instead of hitting the bullseye, you, you miss the mark. And so sin, sin is missing the mark. Now, now there are some times that we sin where we not only miss the mark, but, but a lot of us miss the whole entire direction. I mean, it's just like a nosedive into sin. And, and, and I do realize that there are some of you who truly love the Lord and are earnestly living for him who simply missed the mark. 
See, that's the difference between a Christ follower and someone who's not following Jesus. You understand this? So the Christ follower, our lives are filled with even moments where we are pursuing the Lord, where we just miss the mark. But one who is not following Christ, it's literally a nosedive. It's no big deal to live a life completely entrenched in sin. It's like it doesn't bother you. It doesn't. It's just cool. But for those of us Christ followers who are serious about picking up the heartbeat of heaven, I want to speak to you tonight because it's a big, it's a big deal. And so I want us to go straight to the word of God. John chapter 21 Basically, three verses I want to kind of focus on tonight, and we'll talk a little bit. So John chapter 21, and I want to start reading at verse 15. Um, We'll read 15, 16, and 17. Uh, Let me start at verse 15. It says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. Then feed my lambs, or King James says, feed my sheep, Jesus told him. So Jesus repeated the question. So second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. Would you know that I love you? Now, has anybody ever asked you a question and you uh, responded once and then they asked you the exact same question? Anybody? Anybody have little brothers, little sisters? Yeah, come on. And so, but then, and then, so the audacity of Jesus to come back yet a third time, verse 17. He asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Verse 17, Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I want to speak to you from a message tonight, you guys, which is simply entitled, Fallen, Not Finished. Bow your heads. Father, I just thank you so much for the power of your word. I thank you that the heartbeat of heaven is slowly but surely becoming the heartbeat of desperation at student ministries, Lord. I thank you for what you have to say to us tonight. We are so excited to hear from our heavenly father tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Okay, so so in this text of scripture, before Jesus starts asking Peter this ridiculous, this seemingly ridiculous question, three separate times, the exact same question, uh, you have to understand what was happening in this text. At this point, Jesus was crucified and Jesus had been resurrected. After Jesus' resurrection, there was a period of time, around 50 days or so, where people saw Jesus appear in different places. He'd come walking through walls. He would just show up. I mean, like a ghost. You know what I'm saying? It'd be like us sitting in this room, and all of a sudden, Jesus just kind of comes floating through, talking about, hey, y'all, what's going on? You know? And so, multiple times this happens. And so, Jesus resurrected the, 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 the disciples post the crucifixion, were basically vigilantes. I mean, are fugitives. I mean, they had lost their teacher, their mentor, their pastor, their friend. He was gone. All they had ever known about following this man and and following Jesus, everything that they'd ever experienced was wrapped up in this man who had now 
left them for all practical, for all practical purposes, had gone to a cross voluntarily. Be, be, uh, let me also tell you, voluntarily goes to a cross. So everything has changed. The script has been flipped. They are now literally fugitives that he had been crucified. And though they had seen him in his resurrected state at least twice before this particular incident, they still seem to be really, really discouraged. If not by life in general, then just simply by the fact that these guys have been fishing literally all night long. This is what they did. They were the professionals of the day. They were specialists in the area of fishing. And all night long, they had not caught one single fish. That's a bad day. Okay, that is a that, that, that is a terrible day. Okay, and so you can see them here sitting in the midst of this of this discouragement, tired, exhausted, discouraged, defeated, probably ready to pack things up and head back into shore. When all of a sudden they see a man standing on a show on the shore, and this man calls out to them, saying, "Children, you got anything to eat?" I mean, literally. And they respond. And it's funny because there's an exclamation mark. And, 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 and it's just, no! Does it look like we're eating? You see us trying to get some fish? You, you know what I'm saying? And so, so this man, they don't recognize him. Children, you got something to eat? No! And then very simply, he tells them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So the results, obviously, many of us know the story about 153 fish or exactly 153 fish are caught that would net weight somewhere around 300 pounds of fish just all of a sudden they cast on the right side 300 pounds 153 fish they pull into the boat and immediately the bible says the one the disciple whom god loved which would be john the beloved seems to be the only one with enough common sense or a little bit of discernment to know what's going on john the beloved looks out He comes to his senses and he realizes that they were in the atmosphere of the miraculous. A miracle had just taken place. He connects the dots. Something supernatural had just taken place. There were seven disciples that were present, but only one disciple who realizes I'm in the middle of a miracle. And he looks out and he says, that's my Lord. That's him. That's him. See, regardless of whether they initially recognized him or not, Jesus calls them in. He makes breakfast for them, again showing this is who I am. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give up himself as uh, give up his give up his own life as a ransom for many. This is who he is. He cooks them a breakfast. You guys, this is our God. This is who he is. This is what he embodies. He feeds them. He makes them breakfast. Cooks their fish. Whatever whatever other um, breakfast elements are present. And then he begins a a dialogue with out of all the ones that he should talk to at this point. He begins a dialogue with Peter. Now, this is a big, big deal. You can't just read the Bible. You've got to read the Bible. It's highly significant that Jesus would initiate dialogue with the very same man to whom which the last conversation that they had was Jesus telling Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the cockle crows. 
And the last thing that Peter tells Jesus is, Lord, there is no way that I would deny you. Fast forward, crucifixion, fast forward, has the, has the, has the three different times where Peter denies that he's a follower of Christ, okay? And, and then we get, we, get, we, we get here, and we have Jesus speaking to Peter. Matthew 26, 31 through 35 is where Jesus tells Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Matthew 26, 69 through 75 is the fulfillment of that prophetic word that Jesus gave to Peter. But I want you guys to notice the gentleness and the tone in which Jesus speaks to Peter, the one who has betrayed him not once, not twice, but three times. And Jesus, well aware of it, is just serving Peter breakfast. Now, this is interesting, you guys, because verse 15, it's interesting because Jesus looks at him and he says, Simon, he calls him Simon, son of Jonah. Hmm. If we remember back up in Scripture, there's a moment that Jesus has with with Peter and he asks him, he's with a group of disciples and he says, whom do who do men say that I am? You guys remember this, those of you who read your Bibles? Okay, great. And so, and so, and then they respond and it says, well, some say you are a prophet and some say you are, you're a great teacher. And then Jesus looks them square in the face and says, but who do you say I am? And then it was, of course, Peter who replies, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one, Yeshua Messiah. This is who you are, Jesus the Messiah, the anointed one. And then Jesus turns to Peter and says, okay, you know what? No longer are you going to be called Simon. For from this point forward, I will call you Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And so from that point forward, he starts calling Peter. But this, look, it's so powerful. But right here in this moment, post-resurrection, post-crucifixion, post-resurrection, after Jesus is not him three times, Jesus doesn't call him Peter. He says, Simon. Son of Jonah. And it was almost like Jesus was trying to take Peter back in his mind. Back to those early moments. Whenever I first first called you, Peter. Let me remind you of the relationship that we started together. It's almost like this tender moment that Jesus was having. The last time I called you this name was that incredible moment. Whenever you had the revelation that I was a son of God. Nobody else was bold enough or wise enough or discerning enough to say. But it was you, Simon, son of Jonah. Remember that? Let me take you back to that moment. Notice the tenderness of Jesus with Peter. I mean, because I think, what if I was in the same situation? I mean, I have some words for Peter. I can't believe you denied me. I mean, I know that I prophesied and I said that you would, but to think that you actually went through with it. I mean, what goodness, what's going on with you? But he says, Simon, son of Jonah. And then he poses a question. The first of three times. Do you love me? And what you have to understand here, obviously, is that they didn't speak English, spoke Aramaic, many times Hebrew, even the New Testament. But the New Testament, as as we know it, uh, the original, closest thing to the original translation is in the Greek. And so what, what, what Jesus says to Peter is, Peter, do you agapeo me? And Peter responds and says, Lord, Lord. 
you know that I phileo you. Now, you may not know Greek, but you can know that I just said two separate words, right? Both of which are translated as love in the English language. One meaning something so much more stronger and so much more powerful. So Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, first time, Peter, do you agapeo me? And Peter looks back at him and says, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Now, phileo is the Greek word that's translated love, but in its truest sense, it's like a love between uh, two, two, two friends. You know, I have a strong admiration for you, or I, I have a deep respect for you, or I, I approve of you, or, or you have my blessing on what you're doing. I, I like you a lot. I esteem you. I think you're cool kind of love. But Jesus is going so much deeper with Peter. And so Peter responds, uh, responds, responds the first time and says, Lord, you know that I, I, I phileo you. And it's interesting because Jesus says, do you, do, do you love me more than these? More than these. And so, so first time Peter responds and says, yes, Lord, I, I phileo you. I like you. I, I like you a whole lot. I mean, you, I mean, you, you're kind. You're my friend. I've seen, you're my, you're my bestie. You're my, you're, God, you're there, BFF, you know, you're my boy. And, and, but Jesus brings it back and says, no, 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 Peter, do you, second time, do you, agapeo, love me. Agapeo, Greek word agape which is the kind of love that we're supposed to have not only for God, but also for one another. It's the strongest form of love that's possible. It's a deep love that doesn't hold anything, doesn't hold unforgiveness. It's a love that says, I love you just because you are. Not for what you've done, not for what you can do. It's not a love that's dependent upon, you know, if someone's nice to you or they're not. It's a love that loves those who even hate us. It's agape. It's, the, it's at the heart of, 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 of Christianity. It's agape. It's no other religion expresses agape like a savior who would go to a cross that was not his to bear, to pay a price that was not his to charge, or he was not the responsible for the God. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's agape. And so, second time, do you agape me? Agapeo. Lord, I just, I simply I phileo you. Phileo is a weaker kind of love. You understand that? So we'll come back to that thought in just a second. But, 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 the, but the last thing, Jesus, the first thing whenever Jesus says, he says, do you love me more than these? Now, even Greek scholars and commentators have a hard time because these, it's just, I mean, it's, it's these. What is these? Well, it's these, this, that, them, those, what? These, it's these. Okay, what does these mean? And so there's lots of, there's lots of things that could have fit into these. So the first thing that Jesus could have been asking Peter is, okay, J- Peter, do you love me more than these, the first thing, more than these other men do. Do you love me more than these other people who are present love me? Luke seven forty seven says, he who has been forgiven much loves much. He who has been forgiven little loves a little. See, the degree to which we realize that we have been forgiven is many times the degree to which we will actually love Jesus. 
And so sometimes, well, I'm all about it. I'm, I, I try to be one of the most inspiring people in, in, in the lives of those around me. But sometimes some of us just need a reality check to say, do you remember who you were whenever Jesus found you? Do you remember what the sting of sin felt like and the shame and the condemnation and the pain? Do you remember who and where you were when Jesus found you and picked you up and forgave you and cleansed you? I think we always need to have that at the forefront of our mind because to him who has been forgiven much, the same will also forgive much. To him who realizes the depth of God's love for him, that's how, that's how we'll respond and know, you know what, that's how much I love God because I realize what I am without him. You are nothing without him. I am nothing without him. So first thing it could have meant with Peter, do you love me more than everybody else around you? Or... Two, Peter, do you love me more than these other men? As in Luke 14, 33, whoever does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So Peter, do you love me more than you love these other people around you? Peter, do you love me? And, and I think for us tonight... It, Jesus would come and, and he would ask the same question. Do you love me more than everybody else in the room? And do you love me too more than you love anybody else on the face of this planet? Do you love me more? Do you agapeo? Do you agape me more? Luke 14, Whoever does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. See, we must love him more than anyone or anything else in our lives on the face of the planet. That's a tough call, right? Because we think we can just kind of dance around with this stuff. Or we can just kind of play around and tell him we love him, but not really love him. But he's having a hard conversation with Peter in the kindest of ways because this is who he is. I would imagine him almost at a whisper saying, Peter, do you love me. Do you love me, Peter? And then the, the third thing that Jesus could have been saying was, Peter, do you love me more than these? And by these, perhaps he was referring to these things, like the boat, the fish, the things that I've provided for you, Peter, the things that are all around you. The material things that I've blessed you with, Peter. Luke 14, 33. Again, we've got to love him more than anybody else or anyone else on the face of the planet. So, Peter, do, we, do you love me more than everybody else around you? Number two, do you love me more than you love any other person on the face of this planet? Or number three, Peter, do you love me more than the things that are in your life? My, the material things, the blessings that I have given you. Do you, now let's bring it home today. Do you love me more than your cell phone? Do you love me more than your social networking accounts? Do you love me more than your car? Do you love me more than your bicycle? Do you love me more than your your Sports, your athletics, your programs, your academics. Your, do you love me more? I've got to know it. He has to know it. See, it's a perpetual question that should be kind of almost like, oh, gosh, why are you asking me again? Because it takes a constant reminder. 
because our lives and our minds sometimes are filled with so many other things. And I feel like Jesus would just interrupt this whole entire series and say, do you love me? Oh, not the cute guy in your life, not the nice girl that tells you how awesome you are. Do you love me? Number one. And number two, do you love me more? More than your parents, more than your siblings, more than your pastors, more than your leaders, more than your mentors, more than your cousins, more than your pets, whatever. Do you love me? And do you love me more? Because you... You're either all in this thing or you're all the way out, but you, there's no in-between. That's what Peter's, but is Jesus reminding, reminding Peter of. I want us to be reminded of that because there's no way we can have the, there's no way we can have the, the, the heartbeat of heaven if we truly don't love him more than we love ourselves. There's a beautiful passage in the New Testament where it talks about those who overcame, and, and, and it gives this beautiful pedigree. I believe it's in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of, of faith, and it, and it talks about they, um, these are they who love not their lives unto death. They loved Jesus more than they loved their very own lives, their safety, their security. And I think Jesus would say to us once again, do you love me? Do you love me more? I have to know it. You've got to be able to answer this almost with, and, and, and a lot of times we say, oh yes, 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 yes. No, take a minute to really think about this because we're going to look at a little bit of a litmus for, okay, if you really love God, these are the things that you would be doing because it's not enough just to say, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice and I just praise you forever. No, it takes so much more than that because your love really isn't authenticated until your actions are aligned, until your actions start saying, I love Jesus and I love Jesus more. Oh, I know it's not popular. This ministry is founded on a vision that says we are calling a generation to be in desperate pursuit of God. You will not pursue him desperately until you've reached a place where you say, God, I love you more than I love popularity. I love you more than I love fame. I love you more than I love the good things of this world or pleasure or the opinion of man or making great grades or being the best athlete. God, I love you more. I love you more. I don't want my words to be empty because those whose words are empty will show up on judgment day saying, Lord, I did cool things in your name. And he'll say, depart from me. You who consistently miss the mark because I never knew you. I don't want that to be me. Eternity waits. Tomorrow is not promised. And so it takes a resolute decision and time in his presence of saying, yes, Lord. I believe honestly that the life of the real Christ follower, every day it's a fresh decision to say, Lord, I will love you more. I'll love you more than I love anyone or anything else. You guys get this tonight. Do you love me more than these, Peter? And again, it's not a it's not a demanding. Well, you sucker. You don't love me. I hate you. It's it's eyes of love. Almost saying, why wouldn't you love me? Are you kidding me? After all I've done for you, 
I am serving you breakfast. I just got you 150, however many fish. This is who I am. I will always outgive you. I will always outbless you. You will you can never give to me something that I have not already given to you. We'll never be able to outgive God. So it's preposterous to think about, to think or, or, or to even actually believe that, gosh, God, if I just I oh man, I just may give you too much. And what? What? You can never outgive him. And the cool thing is, the more that we give, the more he gives us. You can't beat God's giving. And so I'm just asking, do you love him? And secondly, do you love him more than you love the people around you? More than the people around you exert their love for Jesus. And number three, more than the things in your life, the material things, the blessings, the appliances, the cars, the, all the different things that, 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 that fill our lives. And nothing's wrong with those things, but you just can't love them more. Nothing wrong with the material things. You just can't love them more than you love him, ever. It's not acceptable, period, end of story. So do you love me more, Peter? Do you, and not just love, do you, Agapeo, me. Do you? Agapeo, me. Peter, do you? So again, phileo is the Greek word. It means like to have an affinity and a love between best friends. And, and while it's often used to describe the love of the Father towards Jesus, agape still, without question in the New Testament, it still remains the highest level of love. And so, 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 so what I see here is a Peter... And again, he's hearing Jesus, Peter, you agape me, agapeo, do you love me with every single part of your being? And Peter just sitting there almost like being, no, I, I like you a lot. I mean, it'd kind of be the equivalent of saying, God, I like you a, a lot. And then Peter, and then Jesus saying again, no, 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 Peter, do you agape, love me? With everything in you, more than anyone or anything else in your life. And Peter saying, I just, I, I, uh, I like you a lot. I do. I really do. I think you're awesome. But then what happens is the third time, if you'll see in the Greek, Jesus actually changes from the Greek word agapeo. And he goes to phileo and he looks at Peter and says, Peter. For the third time, do you phileo me? And it's almost like Peter kind of looks up and says, for the third time, yeah. At this point in my life, <laughs> I'm giving you all the love I have to give Jesus. I phileo you. He was honest about where he was. Now, what's really interesting is later on in the New Testament, as you read the writings of Peter, he'll always use agape. And Agapeo describing his love for the master and his love. And so it's almost like this thing where you, where Peter, he was just honest. Because you have to think, you guys, can you imagine, can you imagine the level of shame and embarrassment of denying a very real Christ who told you that you would deny him three times and you boisterously said, absolutely not. I mean, there is no way. I mean, that's who Peter was. It was his MO, always talking, just out of turn and too soon. And now to have the Savior of the world look you in the face and say, do you love me? And Peter, I think it was a real reality check of Peter saying, 
I don't. Because if I did, I wouldn't have denied you. And if I did, I wouldn't be out here even playing with fish. I would be preaching the gospel. I would be in Jerusalem. I, would be, I, would be, I wouldn't be just here hanging out. It was an honest assessment of where he was. But you see, Paul, Peter was fallen, but he was not finished. God was not through with him. The call of God on Peter's life was higher than the fall of God that Peter had experienced. And it's the same way for us. Your call is higher than your fall. So I'm talking to broken people tonight. I don't care what kind of mistakes you made. I don't care if you made all kind of mistakes even before you walked in this place tonight. Your call is higher than your fall. And the Savior would look at you even tonight and say, do you love me? Do you love me with everything? And for Peter, it was, I, I like you a whole, whole lot, Lord. But, but my love is, is weak for you. But God, it is real. And like some of this, that's where we're at. It's like, God, I mean, it is flimsy and weak. But the little bit of love in my heart that I have for you, God, it's real. See, the way in which we grow in love for God is to receive more of his love in our everyday lives. Of realizing, you know what, God? I need more. I need you to fill me with more of your love. Your capacity to love grows only whenever you receive more love from a very real heavenly Father. And so works will not cause you to love God more. And some of us, that's the place that you've been in. I'm just going to work, 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 work. I'm going to pray, pray, pray. I'm going to do, do, do. And, 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 and your capacity to love has not grown a bit over the last six months or six years. It's pathetic. I think Jesus is calling us to a place of saying, you know what? Come back to this place. Because my real heartbeat, it, my heart is beating for you. As it is for every other soul. But there's no way you can divinely partner with him if you don't love him with everything. You guys get this? Peter was a mess whenever Jesus found him after the resurrection. Fishing, not catching anything. He was a mess. He was not perfect. But from that point forward even, he was willing to be perfected. And it's all he invites us into. A willingness to say, Lord, you have your way in me. My love for you is weak today, but my goal, my aim, my vision is to grow in love for you over the next days, over the next weeks, over the next months, over the next years and decades of my life. I want to love you more than I love you today. Because whenever we stand before him, guys, we have to have a resounding, absolutely agape. I have loved you with everything, Lord. Everything I have is yours. Every bit of my time, every bit of my money, every bit of my heart, everything in me, it cries out, yes, Lord. But it's a willingness, you guys. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. You may be fallen, but God's not finished with you yet. See, the real proof of love, the real proof of love for the Lord is to fulfill the calling that is on your life. What is that calling? I'm so glad you asked. It's the heartbeat of heaven. Here comes that one simple point again. Here it comes. Wait for it. <laughs> Wait for it. My one main point tonight, win souls for Jesus. You see, because Matthew 12, 48 through 50, listen to what Jesus says. I'm not just making this up. But he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? 
and he stretched out his hand toward his disciples. And he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. See, the last thing that Jesus tells Peter after the third time, and Peter looks at him and says, Lord, I, you can see tears kind of bowing up in Peter's eyes. and says, Lord, I phileo you, but I want to grow in love for you, God. And then Jesus finally responds and says, feed my sheep, serve my people. And it's no accident that he is feeding literally his spiritual sheep in that moment. It's no accident that three times the Lord needed some kind of affirmation from Peter for Peter's own sanity and for Peter's own heart to say, three times I denied you. Last time we talked, there was three times I would deny you. But this time that we're talking, who knows? The heavens are open because now I am willing to say, Lord, I love you and I'm willing to grow in love for you. And then the next kind of things we hear out of Peter is on the day of Pentecost, whenever it's fully come, who is it but Peter who now loves the Lord God with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, with all of his strength, who preaches a message and thousands come into the kingdom and signs and wonders begin to flow through a broken, messed up, fallen Peter that God was not yet finished with. Because Peter was fallen but he was not finished. And so how do I know I love God, Pastor Brandon? Well, he's a, you win souls for Jesus. You're about your father's business. You're about fulfilling the call of God on your life to reach those around you. Hell is not playing. Satan is not playing. This is not a game for the kingdom of darkness. This is, there's, no, there's, no, there's no off switch. There's no pause. There's no fast forward. Or, and there's certainly no rewind. There's no unplugging it and turning it off. Hell, the Bible says, enlarges itself. Hell has enlarged itself because hell was never meant for people. It was never meant for you. It was never meant for man. Whenever God dreamed in his mind and created a place called hell, he never had humanity in mind as part of the original plan. So the Bible says, your Bible says, you should read it. It's really interesting. It says hell has literally enlarged herself because of people not following Jesus Christ. You were always meant to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. You were always meant to live in his presence eternally. And so lest you think this is just a cute game or no big deal, or I'll serve God 30 years from now. To tomorrow is not promised. Or somebody else will reach my school. No, nobody else is going to reach your school. Because the calling and the mandate and the assignment has been given to you. And you will, make no mistake about it, give an account for it one day. I've got to tell you the truth. I love you. You're precious. You're awesome. You look great. But you're going to give an account for how you spent your time especially in your teenage years, especially in the season of life where you have so much time to give towards God, not just your stupid video games or whatever else that you're wasting your time on countless hours throughout your week. Again, those things are not bad, but your love will be shown in how you spend your time. So like Jesus, I say to you, do you love him? And do you love him more? Do you love him a little? Do you love him a lot? 
have, where are you in this journey of loving God? Because they who love me, even Jesus, will, will keep my commandments. Peter, if you love me, do you really love me? Do you really love me? Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Feed my, feed my sheep, Peter. There's no way around it. And so you can say, well, that's just not my gift. Of course it's your gift. Do you have the gift of God on the inside of you? Do you have the gift of Jesus? Do you have the gift of the Holy Spirit living inside? That's the only gift that you need to win souls for Jesus. It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. So we must feed his sheep. Because a vital part of walking in our calling and our purpose is to feed Jesus' sheep. So Matthew 28, 20, part of the Great Commission, he says, baptizing them and then go and preach the gospel to all nations, disciple nations, literally the Greek says there, and then, and then um, teaching them all the things that I have commanded to you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the ends of the world. Even until then, I will be with you in the awkward moments of, of just kind of, well, I don't really know what to say, or, you know, I don't really, I don't, do they like me? Do they? It doesn't matter whether they like you, okay? So, so you just be kind, you show love, and, but you go there knowing, but God is with me. I'm never alone. I'm, you're never by yourself. The worship team will make your way up, you know. It's a big deal. It's a really, really big deal. And, and so this is for the fallen. This is for the broken. This is for those of you who are so wrapped up in sin. And don't know, there's real freedom for you tonight. There, there, there's victory for you tonight. But, but, but here's the deal. Feed my sheep. Who are you feeding? Or are you just like a blood-sucking gnat who only comes to church to fill up yourself and never Never give out. God didn't, this, we don't need any more spiritual leeches. We need conduits of the glory of God. We need vessels whom God says, I will fill you up so that you can pour out all over your school, all over your city, pouring my love out, pouring out my glory, pouring out prayer through your words and through your intercession, touching literally an entire city. Oh, sign me up for that lifestyle. Because anything less is dull and boring and dry. And it doesn't count for a whole lot. I want to read to you a quote from a famous youth communicator. Even in this day, it says, he says, What has happened is that individual believers understand that giving their lives to those without Christ is a part of God's radical minimum standard for Christian living. The idea that you could become a mature Christian and not have a heart that is broken for those who are lost is inconceivable. Let me read that, that part again. The idea that you could become a mature Christ follower, a Christian, and not have a heart that is broken for those who are lost is inconceivable in the heart no measure of Christian maturity exists in our context without an evangelistic lifestyle. Erwin McManus shares that with us. So you saw in the drama tonight a big box even that just says it had problem written over. Where's that box? Somebody get it. 
because the the let me tell you what what the problem is and then and then let's be really clear about whose problem it is the problem is that there are too many in your school in your generation a problem there's too many who don't know Jesus who are not following Jesus who are living with literal chains in their lives who are living in depression and living in brokenness and coming from broken homes and self-hatred and gender confusion and sexual immorality and homosexuality and, and, and all sorts of... There, there's two, that's, the, that's the problem. And let's be clear about whose problem it is. Really, really clear. It's your problem. It's my problem. It's our problem. This is our generation. This is our city. This is your school. It's your grade. It's your neighborhood. It's your family members. It's your cousins. It's your friend. It's your your teammate. It's your classmate. It's the person sitting next to you in class. That's the problem. And this is whose problem it is. Yours. And so I'm just asking you. What are you going to do about it? Because if you have the heartbeat of heaven, you say, sign me up, Jesus. And now give me the words that I may be able to to, to speak. Give me the level of influence that I can be able to serve in such a way that they'll actually want to follow me as I follow Jesus Christ. This is not rocket science. Feed my sheep. It's your problem. Feed my sheep. See, even though it's Jesus' sheep, he says, you, who feeds you? Feed. It was like he was telling Peter, Peter, this is your problem. They're my sheep. They need to be fed. They need to hear about me. But who was he telling to do it? You, Peter. You. You. Us. We. And so, feed my sheep. I think there are far too many of us who are too busy, are so busy feeding ourselves that we don't feed his sheep. And again, make no mistake, you will give an account for this one day, whenever you stand before him. And I want to say that I lived a life that was spent feeding his sheep. Doesn't mean you have to be a preacher, doesn't mean you have to have a microphone. All it takes is a heart that's full of the love of God. And a heart that says, I love Jesus more than I love my own reputation. So how's your love for Jesus right now? Tonight, in this moment, right here, right now. And I want you to think about, over this past week, have you been feeding his sheep? It's one simple point. Win souls for Jesus. Proverbs 11.30b. He who wins souls, he is wise. He who wins souls is wise. Everybody stand to your feet tonight. I want you to bow your heads, you guys. I want you to close your eyes and just allow this to be an examining point in the service for you. This is a big deal. Every head bow, every eye closed. If you say, Gosh, I don't, I don't even know Jesus. I, I don't even, I definitely don't agape love him with everything. I don't even know him. I don't have a relationship with him.
but I surely would like to because I recognize his goodness tonight. I recognize who he is, that he, he I, I need to make him my savior, my Lord, my everything. Every head bow, every eye close. If you say that's you tonight, I want you to lift up both your hands to heaven. That you may meet him, that you may pray and, 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 and really encounter him tonight. Your hands are raised. I want you just to pray this prayer with me. Just say, Jesus, you are my savior and the savior of the world. I repent for my sins and I need you to be my Lord. I want to love you with every part of me. Forgive me tonight and wash me clean. In Jesus' name, I will live my life for you and feed your sheep. Amen.